You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hi. You know, let me see your ticket stubs for the double-edged double bill. This week, we read the Book of Hobo Redemption on a very, very special episode. Each week, Adam Thomas, that'd be me, and Thomas Mariani, that'd be the other guy, will come to the table discuss the randomly selected yin and yang of a double feature. Then we both have to pick a number between 1 and 10 or to seal our fates for the next episode. One will have two good movies, the other two bad ones. Let the chaos begin. I am Adam Thomas, and wow, how are you doing, buddy? I mean, I'm doing great, but I don't know why this is such a special episode for me, Thomas Mariani, or you, Adam Thomas, of Double Edge, Double Bill. What is so interesting about this particular episode at all, Adam? It seems like a very average, normal episode. Uh, holy fuck. This is the 100th episode of DEDB. Oh my god, there's been 100 of these? 100. I've been on 98 of them. That, that's true. <laughs> so it's not your 100th episode. I'm a committed no, yeah, person. True. I've been on all 100. This is the 100th time you've heard Thomas Mariani on this particular show. I'm sorry. But thank you for sticking around anyway. Yes, it's a very momentous occasion, Adam. 100 episodes. I I literally cannot believe we've done this. Dude, honestly, you know, when we first started this, I don't want to call it a desperation attempt on your part, but just to keep going. I guess that's important to kind of at least establish. Just folks, if you're new... The history, guys. The, the history is the long ago. Back when we could go outside, we <laughs> were saying inside, and we were recording um, for Double H Bill because I had left a podcast recently, rather abruptly, um, that I had recorded on for several years, and I had known Adam through like some of the other podcasts I did for that certain website, and I was literally just like, you know, I, I can't stay on this particular show, but I really want to get somebody who I feel is committed, and who I feel would at least stay on for 98 of the 100 episodes, that the first 100 episodes we went to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes. And, <laughs> and and when we were on that other show, Adam, you were always desperate to, like, talk any possible time. Like, we were just a like, guest host when I would do this other show, and you were just like, oh boy, champ, can you please let me in? And I was just like, all right, fine, let's, let's yeah, go ahead and do this. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, I mean, you gave me my start, honestly. I had reached out to you to, like, oh, I want to be a co-host or, uh, you know, guest spot. And you're like, okay, yeah, you can do it on this one. And that was it. That was the start of it. And, and you know, I, I formed you know, online friendships or not, but friendships uh, with a lot of people because of that. And so, you know, 100 episodes or not, it it is a monument. And I only have you to thank for a, you know, even if it is only an hour and a half to two hours every week, a distraction. And uh, for that, I say thank you, sir. Oh, shucks. I didn't know this going to get so sincere all of a sudden, Adam. I don't um, mean any of it. I don't fucking mean any of it. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, I was going to say go fuck yourself. This was never anything. That's fine. No, no it, was, it was always just like a hate-hate relationship that we had on the show. Um, but no, very seriously, I'm I'm very touched by that, and I very much do appreciate that. And it's always fun to have this distraction with you, um, at least for 98% of the time. Right, to yeah. To have that distraction. To give you some credit, though, Adam, on this show, you at least didn't skip an episode until it was episode 95. 
Yeah, and it, it, right, and it wasn't just. Uh, I never willy nilly was like, yeah, I don't really like doing it. There, you know, there's always been circumstances. You know, I, I'm a bit older, uh, even though that doesn't really matter. But well, it's more know, that you I mean, have other responsibilities. That yeah, for, I'm a family for... man. I got a wife and a kid, and and things. Unfortunately, as much as of priority as this is, there's things that take priority over it. To, to your credit, even when like there have been issues, most of the time we're able to record. We post one and we we make it happen. Yeah, there's only been yeah, two yeah. times where it's just it's not going to happen. Right. And uh, you know it is what it is. And and again, I I thank you also for being always understanding and and making it work. I'm done thanking you, by the way, because especially, <laughs> especially oh this week this you know, week I'm not thanking you for shit else. There's not much to thank me for. So, uh, enough of the schmaltzy stuff at the top of the show. Uh, we are here to talk about a certain topic we've done previously. If you're maybe on the ESO network before we were even part of the ESO network, uh, we decided to do a little topic that we're visiting today. It might be one of the few topics where even after this we will revisit it because it's so unique to our particular show, where yeah. if you're new, every week... Um, Adam and I end up picking a good and a bad feature for a double feature, uh, where, you know, sometimes we have two good movies, sometimes the other has two bad movies, we switch off on the quality, and that gets us our good and bad feature that we talk about for the show, and we assign numbers between 1 and 10 for them, and so uh, last week we ended up picking um, some movies that fit into what we call the redemption slot, where given the nature right. of our show, one movie ends up biting the dust of our each of our two topics. Yeah, I mean, to put it in perspective, that's 200 movies that we've mentioned that haven't been picked. I mean, roughly, because sometimes we do end up getting other movies like we've been... 190, whatever. <laughs> Somewhere around there, yeah. So there's a lot of movies that we haven't talked about. So we give them a chance at Redemption. We did it at, like, episode 51, and now we're doing it at episode 100. Probably will be a recurring thing that we do, like, every 50 oh, sure. episodes or so. Yeah. The- there's several times that after the show, you know, post-show, we're like, fuck, I, I, oh, I wish that would have got picked. Oh, yeah, we got to talk about that again. You know, I mean, it, it happens quite frequently. So, I mean, this is our way of sort of almost fan-servicing ourselves, too. Yes, because there's not a lot of fans out there. Lord knows whatsoever. Yeah, I don't think there is. I don't think there's any of them. <laughs> there's dozens of them. Dozens! For sure. <laughs> um, but... So, in in the spirit of that, uh, our good pick that we ended up getting was an alternative good pick for Adam, given this was his turn for a good choice of redemption, which was Hobo with a Shotgun, which was your pick for our Rutger Hauer tribute episode we did. Mm-hmm. That was the alternative choice. And then my alternative choice was one I had for uh, my worst of the decade of our best and worst of the decade episodes. We did two of them. It was The Book of Henry. So, uh, we're, talking about, we're talking about two very interesting different films here this evening. So we'll get into that right now first with our good feature, Hobo with a Shotgun. I used to be like you a long time ago. People look at you and think of how wonderful your future will be. But if you grow up here, you ain't not like me. So, Hobo with a Shotgun came out on March 25th, 2011, um, and it's a film uh, by Jason Eisner, which is so interesting. It's a Canadian film, and Jason Eisner is a guy who's been working up the ranks for the last several years. Um, he's mostly been, like, an editor and stuff for certain movies. Also, has made a lot of great short films that you should definitely watch. Like, are you familiar at all with Jason Eisner's other movies, Adam? Here and there. I mean, I, I haven't necessarily followed his career, 
But anytime something comes up, it's Jason Eisner. And I'm always like, who the fuck? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, the guy who did Hobo the Shotgun. Right, Hobo the Shotgun, or there's a great short called Treevenge about killer Christmas trees. Yeah, that one was that's, awesome. That's phenomenal. That's from him. Or he's done a few segments for anthologies, like in VHS 2, he did the segment where the slumber party is crashed by a bunch of aliens. Which was one of the better segments. Yes, I would definitely agree. Um, that's one of the more fun segments. So, Hobo with a Shotgun is his only feature as of yet, uh, which is kind of a bummer because he made this originally as the interesting origin of this movie being um, a fake trailer that was done as a submission for a contest for Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez's double feature thing, Grindhouse, which we talked about Death Proof, half of that. Mm-hmm previously on the show um so it won the contest ended up being screened especially in canada as sort of the prominent trailer amongst like with uh, what was it machete and don't yeah werewolf girls of the ss right which admittingly i those trailers are the most fun part of the whole grindhouse yeah really absolutely and of the movies you know machete was a fun trailer and robert rodriguez turned Mm -hmm. into two not that fun movies um by Mm -hmm. contrast the first one's okay i sure it's better than the second. It's better I'm, than the second. I mean, it's, it's like flipping a coin. Like, there's a gun yeah, to my head. I'll watch this yeah, the first yeah, one. Yeah, 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 I guess. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, I would still say, even including those features and even the trailers, I would say Hubble with a Shotgun, both the original trailer and especially this film, are the best thing to come out of Grindhouse. Oh, yeah, and we're including the the actual features, correct? Yeah. Yeah, no, Hubble with a Shotgun is absolutely better. Hubble with a Shotgun, uh, you know, it, it feels so so much like a grindhouse movie uh, an execution in violence in the acting the pacing even the the score the way it fucking ends mm-hmm. is beautiful in terms of like grindhouse if you're unfamiliar grindhouse was a genre that actually existed in like the 70s for the exploitation flicks that would have like the trailers that's just like oh catholic school girls in trouble and all that other shit mm-hmm. it would but i would argue this is definitely more playing on sort of less that 70s era and more of the 80s era in particular this is very much a trauma movie but better than arguably any trauma movie i don't disagree with that it also feels like like almost a Pinoy uh, grindhouse film, which I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's like the the ultra violent ones where they get like a low grade American actor in the Philippines mm-hmm. to come in and be the big star, and it would just be ultra violence with these ultra over the top villains and situations, and and he would just come in and just decimate and usually die um, because he's an American in their lands. I mean, that's kind of how they did it. It's it's a very sort of in touch with that as well. Um, I just think this has all the flavor of of those of that style of movie making. It feels very guerrilla, very low budget. The acting is not fantastic. A lot of it's over the top. I'd argue. Um, I would argue that makes it amazingly fantastic. <laughs> no, right. But I'm saying if you if you want to see it to say oh good actors, no. Except as you were kind of mentioning, no. Rugger Howard is absolutely fantastic. The scene where he's at the fucking nursery. I mean, it, it kills you. For those who might be unaware, because this is admittingly a more obscure film. But I think the title kind of gives it away. Well, yes, but to maybe elaborate slightly more, Hobo with a Shotgun is exactly what it says on the tin, in terms of it stars uh, Rutger Hauer as a titular hobo who travels the rails and ends up in this weird Canadian town um, that is horribly like dilapidated and run by this incredibly corrupt crime lord who nobody gives a single shit about him committing literal acts of murder on the street. The Drake, as he's called. Um, 
and uh, the Drake uh, and his two sons um, end up causing massive mayhem and just run the town ragged. They've owned the cops as one cop that says, we're all crooked cops! One of the most amazing moments in cinematic history is that particular bit. So the hobo is so angry that any of this would happen, uh, even though as he's trying to, like, you know what, I'm just trying to make my way, I'm trying to get $50 to spend on a lawnmower to run a business where I mow lawns, and I also am trying to be sort of like a weird father figure to this one prostitute who keeps insisting as a teacher, and should be at least a teacher, and takes under his wing attemptedly, even though she's just like, you're an old man who's silly and a hobo, but it's it's kind of endearing what you're doing here. Um, and the hobo eventually realizes, like, you know what, I can't do this by you know, getting a lawnmower, and especially when this big burglary happens at this one particular shop where he's about to buy the lawnmower. He's just like, you know what, I can't make justice with this lawnmower. I'm gonna make it with a shotgun! And he proceeds to have a rampage of violence that proceeds from there. And so, um, it's the most amazing movie ever made. It's one of the best cinematic experiences possible. Oh, uh, we talked about a Bergman movie last week. Fuck that movie. This is <laughs> infinitely better. Um, but no, I love Hobo with a Shotgun. I'm so glad we're talking about it. Because in all interests, like, you talked about the whole Grindhouse thing. And my biggest problem with both the Grindhouse movies, we talked about Death Proof, we, especially with Planet Terror... They're both much more high-budget than any of those Grindhouse movies. And this one kind of is, because it costs about $3 million, but it feels so authentically like one of those Grindhouse movies. It feels like it was pulled off a VHS shelf, and you're just watching all the massive, mad intensity of it. And it doesn't relent to you at all. It just goes full bore with it for all 89 minutes of its runtime. It's short, it's sweet, and to the point. And goddammit, if that point isn't so fucking glorious. Oh, yeah, dude, it's it's over the top nonsense and violence, and I mean to the point to where it's so graphic that you have no choice but to laugh. It doesn't relent. And by the way, if you were ever confused that this movie was Canadian, one of the guys from Trailer Park Boys is in the <laughs> yep. very beginning. One of the few other people you recognize besides Rutger Hauer is like, oh, it's the Trailer Park guy, this right? Guy. Which I don't watch Trailer Park Boys, and I always think it's Danny McBride because he sounds That's just true. like him. And he looks very much like Danny McBride. He looks very, very fucking similar. He, he's sort of like the Danny McBride. I've seen like a couple things of Trailer Park Boys, and it's weird where I'd known this movie so much more. I'm like, that guy looks really... It's the hobo with the shotgun guy who gets his head decapitated <laughs> on right. one of the most... Another... Just like... Just to show how crazy this movie is, within the first like 15 minutes, a guy ends up getting decapitated after he has a manhole cover thing put on his neck, and then he falls into a manhole. He's forced into it. Rope is tied around his neck, and he's decapitated by his brother, the Drake. This fucking happens so early in the movie. I know, it, dude, it's like the first scene. It's like they have the, the, the opening credits of just like the hobo on the rails and he's just like, oh, I'm in my shopping cart. Oh, look, there's a guy with a fucking manhole cover around his neck. <laughs> it's so wonderfully shot, too. Like, it looks like a low-budget shot film. But it also feels like they spent like every dime of that fucking money. Oh, they especially sp- the way it looks. Yeah, yeah. And, and trying to make it look like that. And I'd argue... They succeed more than a lot of people who try to ape this style do. It, it's it's so well done and so ridiculous. And it is probably one of my favorite later day sort of uh, Rugger Hauer performances. This is my favorite performance of his that's not Blade Runner. It's so fucking great. Yeah, well, that's fair. I, I guess I can't really argue with that, you fuck. Well, it's, um, it's because, like, we, we kind of talk about, like, oh, the movie doesn't relent. The only thing that makes this movie work as well as it does is the fact that Rutger Hauer makes this character feel so weirdly real, despite the fact that this is such a silly environment. Because when, especially his interactions with uh, Molly Dunworth plays the uh, 
prostitute character who ends up kind of mm-hmm. coming under his wing, kind of being like gives him a bit of shelter, and he also tries to kind of impart some advice, especially about bears. Which I love the fact that that is so silly when it's initially introduced. Just like oh, this dumb guy and this bear thing. It's, it's adorable and how inaccurate it is. And then you get so invested in the hobo character that by the end of that movie, when he talks about just like bears aren't meant to be in a zoo, you fucking are like crying. <laughs> He's so <laughs> fucking know. good. One thing I want to do say, though, Alan Abernathy kind of lost his shit after Small Soldiers, didn't he? Yup. Jesus Christ. Made him fucking go crazy. The actor Gregory Smith, who plays one of the two um, sons of the Drake character, is the kid from Small Soldiers. Which, yeah, he's slick. Right, slick, which I I love, both, especially though, Nick Bateman as his other brother is so fucking They're fantastic. They're so over the top. They are so over the top and ridiculous. Both are, but weirdly, Gregory Smith is the more subtle one, and Nick Bateman is just pure, just like, <laughs> we're gonna fucking kill these guys, it's gonna be great. I just love how much he commits to that bit, even... Which is one of my favorite things ever is him like getting electrocuted after putting fucking ski that's on his foot into a toaster, <laughs> in a toaster. and then he gets out of the and his first response is fries like, his oh. hand right and he's fries his hand he's so horribly mutilated by this and his first response is he made me come it's so <laughs> genius I can't believe someone fucking did this in this movie it's so funny I know. it's so ridiculous and the and and the wounds these people survive. Is out of control. Alan Abernathy is cutting her throat yep. with a saw. Yeah, for a good three minutes. Yeah, it's, cu- it's, it's clearly going and like almost severing her fucking right shoulder. <laughs> yeah, but she survives. Well, of course, after those doctors who I just love, even like the ancillary doctor characters are just like, "Oh my god, you whore, you fucking live!" And they like beat her <laughs> chest to death. Breathe, you fucking whore. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like this movie is like it's very exploitationing and it goes into such oh, yeah. depraved points. But the movie commits to it in such a ridiculous way that it's a cartoon. It's one of the few movies that's live action shot that feels like a cartoon dude there's several scenes in this where well a uh alan amber well slick for the point it's alan amber i think walks onto a bus and sets a bus of children on fire uh with a flamethrower set to disco inferno which is probably the biggest high budget point is getting the rights for that song yes but then there's the scene where they're hunting down all the homeless people and the one guy finds the mom with a newborn baby in a dumpster and he throws a Molotov cocktail into it and kills him. Yep. You're like, oh my god. But the thing is, it never come. I know it's so bizarre, but you said it the best. It never comes across like, oh my god, this is so disturbing. Because the whole movie's treated like if if they just included blood in a Wiley e. Coyote cartoon. It's so crazy and over the top. And it, it also doesn't relent in terms of, like, that sequence happens before you have any time to think about it. Some mm-hmm. other insane thing's happening. Absolutely. And it goes to such weird, depraved, interesting heights. We need to yeah, talk about the plague at some point. Yeah, I was going to say, and, and then they get those it. half-cocked ideas with the plague. Well, she killed one, so now she must become the plague. And then she walk, and then she, and then he just walks away. Like it's over. Well, th- th- there's actually a bit of a story to that. We'll put a pin in that for when we discuss the plague a bit further. But what I think also works is the fact that, like, so, you know, I-, I talked about when we did, like, the, the Death Wish 3 a few episodes ago. You got a wish. You got a wish, yes. Well, I can't help it. On, on our Canon Films episode, it's a lot of fun. But um, we when we talked about that movie, I even talked about how, like, the original Death Wish sort of had this issue of, like, oh, I, like, the, the moral ambiguity doesn't feel nearly as, like, ambiguous. Mm-hmm. As opposed to with this movie, what I like the fact is that the hobo is our hero shooting people, 
But the movie also never says that that's a good thing, because anytime he saves any of these, like, women who are being victimized, they're horrified by what's going on. Like, there's a scene where he saves this woman from being, like, you know, put on the street by a pimp, and he's just like, why don't you go to somebody who loves you? And then he shoots the pimp, and then she's screaming horribly. She is terrified by what's well, going dude, on. Well, dude, of course, it's some random fucking hobo shooting anybody in the face with a shotgun. I mean, it's just insanity. Right, but in a Death Wish movie, they would make that like, oh, you're my hero, you're saving me, as opposed to this woman's like, what the fuck's happening? <laughs> Maybe because he's not Charles Bronson. Because Charles Bronson would just bed whoever the girl was. Even if he was a hobo, just like, hey, I slept in filth. <laughs> hey, but look how uh, manicured my mustache is. Uh. <laughs> Everything else is covered in grease and garbage. <laughs> yeah, I look like shit, but uh, I'm going to go pick up a rocket launcher for the post office. <laughs> but I, th- I think that's what really works about the movie, though, is that it's never saying that, like, he's necessarily a total hero for this at all. No, he's a psychopath, dude. He's a fucking psychopath. Like, oh, Rucker Howard's character is a psychopath. I love Dane. Never gets a name. Like, the endearing quality of that character is you know the whole time, like, he is completely batshit insane doing horrible things. Even though his heart's in the right place, and he wants this fucking <laughs> prostitute to be a teacher, which just love that yeah. recurring thread. How it's once again it's just like they treat it as a joke of just like, oh, this is so silly. Like I'm not a teacher. I, I fuck for a living. She literally says that I fuck for a living. And then near the end, she's like, you know, I'm not a teacher, right? Just like, yeah, well, everybody should have a dream. And that's a line that on paper it's like that sounds really silly. Then when you're watching Riker Howard deliver, just like someone should have a dream, hobo. <laughs> they should. <laughs> And then the whole scene with the cop, which is some of the most vile fucking dialogue, like, ever in a movie. What are you talking about? I, you know, I would sit my future children down to listen to him say, Welcome to fuck town! <laughs> I can smell your asshole from here, baby. <laughs> These two are the princes of fuck town. <laughs> but I think you're uh, talking about the other cop. Uh, no, though. I'm talking about the cop who tries to pick up the hooker. Right, yes, yes. And there's there's also, like, there's a pedophilic Santa Claus that's going around. Oh, yeah, well, he gets his. Fuck. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, he really is. That, that, that's the thing. It's like, all these people are very horrible monsters, even the hobo to a certain extent. But they uh, get their comeuppance in the most brutal ways possible. It's just like, this town is just like a hive of scum and villainy times 50 million. Yeah, it's most like, it's most Isley times No, 100. no, no. Someone from Mos Isley, like the jizz whalers from Mos Isley would come over just like, oh, God, what is this place? I'm going back to Jabba. This place yeah, is horrible. Like, hey, yeah, it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> And A, by the way, that shotgun's forty nine ninety nine. No fucking way. Probably B, not, no. I love that it's on the rack loaded. C, <laughs> that he has an infinite supply of shells somewhere. I don't know how, but he just does. And uh, But no, the one thing I do like about him is they literally give him no backstory. No. He's just a fucking bum. And he just has a weird sense of right and wrong and a moral compass. And he's going to do whatever it takes to, to sort of honor his compass and his beliefs. And what that takes is horribly blowing the chest out of anybody he comes across. Cause most of it is chest shots. So he could do that wire pullback and make the guy fly across the room. Oh yeah. It's so lots amazing. Of, lots of that. Or another one of my favorite things is this guy who uh, made him eat glass earlier for like a bum fights video. He returns oh, back. Bitch. 
Yes, and then it's just like, oh, now I want you to take the tape and eat it. And he doesn't shoot out his fucking head, but he just is like, oh, you disgust me that you're actually doing this. And he beats him to death with the butt of the rifle. <laughs> I know. I know. And, well, the, and, you know, good, by the way, because that guy's a piece of shit. Shooting off Slick's dick, which I love that he shot his dick off, so he's bleeding he horribly. Right. Yet he still has the, like, the aptitude to make a phone call. Right, to his father. To who... call his dad. He's like, Dad, I think I'm dying. Like, he's <laughs> just talking as clear as we are right now. No, no, you're young. You're all right. You'll make it. He shot my dick off. And then he, of course, grabs the shot off dick. So they can yeah, show it. Right, it's, yeah, it's like a yeah. gooey paste that's like he fucking... Oh, it's like, it's like a turkey neck. Basically, yes. And I also want to specify, like, I, the... The limited but great filmmaking in this movie. The fact that like he ends up getting boarded back on the burnt bus is like it's a, it's a weirdly beautifully poetic moment, and that he's like yeah, burning really to weird. death. It's so good. I fucking love that touch. That's the thing. Jason Eisner is definitely somebody who grew up on so many of these movies, but knows the fact that like you can't just directly repeat them as much as like warp them into your own weird creation that this is. Because I don't know how many of these movies had something as amazing as. We'll talk about it. Now, The Plague, which is like about an hour into this hour, 29 minute movie. Mm-hmm. They introduce this concept like, hmm, this hobo shot in so many people and even including my sons. How do we get him to go down? Oh, I don't know. We'll call The Plague, who are two bounty hunters that look like fucking robots made out of like fucking steel. Mm-hmm. And I have hunted down so many people. There's a hit list that they have that includes Jesus Christ and the Easter Bunny <laughs> and yep. so many other fucking people. And they and, have altered voices and also an arcade game based on them. Right, and there's some sort of, like, mythical characters who are, like, somewhat known to, like, the world, but we just don't know much about them here. And they proceed to invade the hospital where the uh, Molly Dunworth character is in ho- in the hospital being treated and the hobo is visiting her and is making this speech that you mentioned to all the newborns, which is phenomenal. Um, right. But but then um, they proceed to roam through this hospital and kill anybody in their path, which includes tying their them to like a noose that's attached to a grappling hook gun, harpoon gun, that they mm-hmm. shoot into the ceiling and hang people on. <laughs> they are nonstop murderous machines with like that or machetes that they horribly mutilate people with. I love these characters. Like, I don't want a sequel to Hobo with a shotgun, but I want a spinoff about these fucking characters. No, me too. And it's awesome. I mean, they're absolutely fantastic. Like I said, then they give you this weird character development. Like, she killed one, she has to become one. Like, what is this? There was a post-credit scene that was deleted where they actually show her, like, being, like, captured by that one surviving plague member and turned into a plague person. Yeah, I don't think it was needed. Not necessarily, but it's also really fucking fun. <laughs> I wouldn't have minded that. Because it's, it's crazy. It's fucking insane. <laughs> this movie is a fucking insane. Yes. I'm watching it. I, I've seen it before. I saw it probably right around when it came out. Right. And maybe once after that, but not, you know, many times. And then I watched it today and I'm like, this is the craziest fucking movie. Like this movie is fucking wild. Like anytime I watch... You know, because I'll jump on Tubi TV or Crackle or whatever and watch, like, really shitty action movies just to get a laugh. This is what I'm trying to see in those movies. Over-the-top violence and gore and silly situations amplified by, like, 11. It's the ultimate example of that. Absolutely. It's the greatest homage to uh, 
lost grindhouse sort of style cinema that I've seen personally. I mean, I've seen both machete movies. I've seen the grindhouse movies. I've seen ones that try to do it. I, this to me is the best, especially because I, I think it means you supersede that by just like amping everything up to 11, but especially there's a whole sequence in which the two brothers of the Drake character go on to live television, murder the newscaster by throwing an ice skate at his face and then <laughs> proceed to tell everyone, hey, you all need to kill all the fucking hobos out there. You know what'll happen? You'll be burnt up like this child that we burnt up on a fucking school bus. Right, and the dad's like, and yet if you get him, you'll get my broads. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's so unrelentingly amazing. It doesn't, it does not stop. No, it does Once not. Rutger Hauer, like the opening is Rutger Hauer riding the rails and everything. It's a nice swelling sort of score and everything. Which they took from um, the old Italian, like, uh, cannibal movies. Yeah, God. yeah, yeah. I forgot. It's the same guy who did the uh, score cannibal for, like, Cannibal Flow, Holocaust. I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But once he sets foot in that fucking town, it does not stop. It is fucking relentless. Even, like, the moments where he's kind of, like, it's quiet and he's talking to the Molly Dunworth character, it's also interesting, just bizarre things like the bear thing, or the teacher thing, or even, like, you're mentioning the scene that could be, like, very contemplative of him at the hospital looking at all the newborn babies, and just, like, you know, they, they want you to be something special, like a lawyer or a doctor. Well... I hate to tell you this, but if you grow up here, you'll be putting <laughs> dirty needles in your veins. You're going to be a whore. <laughs> You're like, oh my God. What do I know, though? I'm just a hobo with a shotgun. Oh, it's so good. Like, yes, like, dude. Even, even the quiet moments are insane. Mm-hmm. This is one I think a lot of people know by title because of Grindhouse, but I don't think enough people have seen this movie. Oh, a thousand percent, yes. Because the few people even like on Letterboxd are just like, oh, whatever, it's not as good as QT. Fuck you, QT wishes he made oh, this. Yeah, for sure. This is one that I, uh, our past uh, guest, Wraith, should have done on his show. Oh my god. This is a fantastic, fantastic movie. Even if we didn't weren't doing this here, I would have suggested for his show. I have not seen this. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. Fuck him. He's not, you know, eh, he's going to listen to this, that piece of shit. <laughs> But maybe if he ever tries to get us both on, this should be our choice. We'll even talk about it again. <laughs> I'll talk about this again. No, that's I true. Sh- I-, I want to talk about it with somebody who has no idea what it is. Yes, that's true. He would definitely be in the camp of have not seen this, probably. Right, and he'll be like, what the fuck did you guys just make me watch? Oh, it's, it's, it's so glorious. And, and the I, thing is, like, I even love even leading into, it's one of my favorite climaxes in a movie. Where the what? hobo was lead to, led to be dead in this, like, manhole cover thing. And the, to the credit to Molly Dunworth, who, like, in a, you know, in some of these other movies, she would just be a victim, and she's constantly, like, being harassed this whole time. I love that oh, her, re- like, sort of rebellion and redemption is her screaming as her... Keep in mind, her hand has just been destroyed by a Yeah, she's got her middle finger bone left. Right, she has a fucking stump that's, like, spiked up. She proceeds to be like, you know what, I'm not going to be victim anymore. I'm going to stab the Drake with my fucking exposed jagged bone. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and use it to pull up a sewer grate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like she's, she's a fucking badass, dude. Oh, she so is, that's the thing. She, she also knows how to weld. <laughs> I don't know where. Like, she's, she's really proficient. She kills that one member of the plague gloriously oh yeah she fucking she sticks the shotgun between his armor and shoots him and then grinds him up with her lawnmower shield 
Like, it's pretty amazing. We were talking about this with, like, someone who's never seen this movie before. I wonder, like, it's probably not a huge part of our audience that's seen this movie before, who are just like, this movie isn't real. This is a fever dream you guys are talking about. Oh, no, this is a very real thing. Oh, believe me, it talks, baby. It's real. It's there. And we are not even close to touching on how insane it is. No, there's so many other things. We haven't talked that much about the Drake. I love one of my favorite things. Like, his fucking lair is in this, arc, like, abandoned <laughs> arcade where, like, the kids play and then, like, snort coke by literally putting it in their face. Like, I love the way people snort coke in this movie is by throwing it's, it in their face. Just oh yeah, throwing just it. bust a bag on their face. There's Absolutely. <laughs> completely. <laughs> and then the Drake is just, like, he spends his free time by, like, hmm, I'm gonna let my scantily clad women beat up a guy with, like, baseball bats, baseball bats. covered in you razor blades. You could blades. have a baseball bat no no he's the only one who has a cover of baseball blades life may give you a baseball bat it's up to you put the razor blades in it well, no, no, cuts, no, no, no. His, <laughs> cuts his stomach open they're all like right Aah! and keep in mind him who he's talking about is just some guy who in the background of the scene where he's giving inspiration to his son the drake is giving inspiration to the gregory smith character in the background these women are beating up this guy with bats yeah, there's three just hanging there. girls. Right, being, being up this guy who's hanging from the ceiling. Just beating him up in the background of the movie. This movie's insane. It's this, so uh, like, insane! It's, it's pure insanity. And the thing is, A, it's underseen, and from a lot of the people I do know that have seen it, I think it's underappreciated. Tremendously. I think it's like, yeah, it was okay. Well, which is fine, it's everyone's opinion. But I don't think anybody looked at it as... Well, I'm not saying anybody, because clearly you do and I do, and some people do. There are fans, but it's an homage film that they're going to do the things that have been done before in the Grindhouse movies, but they're going to maybe amp them up quite a bit more. They're going to go to levels that these movies may be broached, but they're going to do it. They're going to show you. And like I said, you know, once he sets foot in that fucking town, it doesn't end. It's nonstop. Like, even the scene where, you know, she takes him home after he got scum carved into his chest, which that knife was so deep he'd have been dead. <laughs> but he gets scum carved into his chest. And then he's telling that story about the bear and he's falling asleep and he's trying to be wholesome. He's like, that bear would rip your face off. One swipe. One thing about a bear, it gets a tizzer human blood, he becomes a man killer. <laughs> <laughs> like Jesus Christ! <laughs> like, this movie's insane. I love it so much. I love this movie. Well, I guess unless you have anything else to say, those are pretty solid final thoughts, Adam. Well, actually, I'd like to get into: Is he a hobo or a vagabond or a bum or a street urchin? Hey, hey Criterion, where's my yes. fucking edition of this movie? I'm not even doing the stupid voice. Where's my fucking Criterion edition of the hobo with a shotgun? That's never going to happen. Fine. You scream Factory? Vinegar Syndrome? You'll do it. Yeah, I, I know see, you'll I do it. Arrow, I could see Arrow or Scream Factory doing it. Oh, I think it'd be sure. great. Yes, I, I genuinely do want that. Just a big, great special edition of this movie that, even despite its like lower budget means, it looks gorgeous. Like there's The lighting in this movie is tremendous. We haven't talked about that Oh, much. yeah. Very neon so neon but that's what i love about this movie it's like i can find so much interesting weird stuff to talk about with this one there's so much tremendous like scene after scene of madness like and so many great ideas like the hobo of course or the plague we didn't talk about the plague their lair they spend most of their time trying to get an octopus creature from invading their living space 
Oh yeah, it's you know, it's clearly like a HP Lovecraft sort of deal is going on there. It's just some sort of like giant massive fucking octopus creature we only see like the tendrils of that are also look like pool noodles, but in the most tremendous way. It's it's a the most sincere attempt at what you're talking about of a genre um, homage that feels so much more sincere than any of those other ones because they're like, oh yeah, we'll do some cheapo things and we'll have some fun. We'll have green on the film and it'll be cute. This movie's just like we're not here to be cute. We're here to be sincerely insane and that's the best thing i can say about this it's the most sincere insanity i've ever seen in a fucking movie it is non-stop i i just love the fact this fucking movie exists and i it, it has a great central performance from rutger howard all the other actors are very silly in a believable way that works for the universe of the movie um it, this movie's so weird down to the end credit song i found out is the theme song from a canadian saturday morning cartoon from the 80s about raccoons that actually makes uh, a lot of sense. It's also a fucking banger of a song. Oh, yeah, it's pretty dope. <laughs> Run with us. Yes, it's, it's a great little bit. Well, that's the thing. This movie is so weird, so distinctly Canadian, so intriguing in what it is, and there's no other film really like it, to the point where, like, Jason Eisner hasn't, like I mentioned, made another feature film after this. He's done some TV work and anthology segments. And it's a weird thing where it's like, no offense to him, and I'm sure his, I hope his career burgeons, but I also wanted to make another feature, because this is too perfect an object for him to sully with another feature film, because <laughs> you can't top this. I, I agree, unless he goes, which, you know, fuck him, but the Rob Zombie route, where he only makes these types of movies. My worry is that he's going to get, like, Insidious 5. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, as opposed like to... I'd like, like yeah do another Grindhouse-esque movie because it doesn't have to be a sequel to this. It could become something completely different, but just fit with this genre. He could make, you know, a version of the Mac or a Foxy Brown type movie or anything like that and make it really work. I think he'd be really good at that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I, if he is going to do it again, do something like that. But even if he does make one of those and maybe he does go this sort of disappointing route, there's always this perfect object of a movie. The mm -hmm. Hobo with a Shotgun is a perfect object of a film that I almost regret not putting on my best of the decade list, honestly, because it's so consistent. Yeah, it's, it's, it's about that good. It's, it's yeah. about that. It would have been a very, very much a uh, runner up on that. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're going to talk about a movie that's on the opposite list I had for that in a moment. But first, here's an ad for an ESO so you can queue up right after our podcast. What's new on the 42 cast? Let's ask my co-hosts. We're talking about Doctor Who. Comic book shows and movies. And we're talking about all things Star Trek. <laughs> and so much more. Check us out on Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and iTunes. It's only on the 42Cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. So Nathan, when are we finally talking Babylon 5? And now, time to talk about our uh, not-so-good feature here, oh. The Book of Henry. Our legacy isn't how many commas we have in our make account. It's who we're lucky enough to have in our lives. This story, it's about me, my brother, my mom, and the girl who lived next door. Okay, let's do this. Mom, everything you need is right here. I'll be with you the whole time. You have to make it better. So, uh, The Book of Henry came out uh, June 16th, 2017. Uh, was uh, directed by Colin Trevorrow, um, the boy genius behind uh, the Jurassic World pictures, and before this movie came out, was going to be directing Star Wars Episode Nine. Yeah, the auteur, if you want to call him that. 
uh, behind the Jurassic World franchises. Uh, it just, uh, so wait before you before you get off the leash, Adam. I wanna, yeah, okay, I wanna, you better hurry up because it's right. coming. Right, right. So, uh, this movie was one that he made after the big success of Jurassic World. And before Jurassic World, even, he had made his start in somewhat more indie fare with uh, Sage Not Guaranteed, which is a movie I actually really enjoyed. It's okay. Um, when I at least saw it initially. I thought it was cute. I really dug that. It was like, okay, this is a good starter feature for what this director could do from here. And what he did from here was um, either very mediocre to bad blockbusters, or in the case of Book of Henry... A passion project that could only come from somebody who did immensely successful mediocre blockbusters. Because, uh, yeah, this is a movie that it, it, it's hard to describe because the plot's incredibly convoluted. But I think the best way to describe it is definitely um, mishandled and definitely ill-aimed. It's emotional manipulation on the grandest scale. Uh, they're relying on you having sympathy for... The mother, the kid, and especially Jacob Tremblay, a.k.a. emotional manipulation in movies. Because uh, he's like the cutest kid, and when he cries, it literally breaks my heart. <laughs> They're relying on you to feel something the whole time. And for that, when it's over, you'd be like, that was a good fucking movie. It, it, it's a lesser forced gump when it comes to that type of just just total manipulation, man. But it's like, imagine Forrest Gump, but if you're asked to like side with Forrest, even though he's like... Inhuman monster person. A dick. A horrible, horrible human being, which is the case with the Henry character. Yeah, Henry's a right. dick. Yes. Like, he's a dickhead little kid, which it's the main kid from It. And don't get me wrong, he's good in it. He's a good little actor, that kid. He's actually pretty decent. It's a fucking atrocious film. It, I mean, it, it, it misfires on all levels. And then there's, like, the, the weird Sarah Silverman thing. Like, what the fuck is happening here? What are we trying to do? The, the, the uh, weird thing about Sarah Silverman's character is that would be, like, the worst thing in any other movie of the similar schmaltzy shtick. But that's, like, 15 <laughs> on the agree. list of terrible things. Is Naomi Watts the worst mother ever, or is she just mentally handicapped? Like, what is happening here? Maybe we should <laughs> attempt to do some kind of plot synopsis here. Okay. Anybody who's unaware. So Okay, good I'll, luck. I'll, I'll, yeah, I am the one who brought this upon us, so I will definitely do it. So, Book of Henry is the story of young Henry, who's this uh, very bright uh, you know, savant of a kid who they introduce as like, oh, here's the thing, we're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Kids come and say, I want to be a dodgeball champion, or I want to be this, I want to be that, it's like cute. And Henry comes up just like, you know, I realize that we really shouldn't take the structure of this particular topic to, to heart, because uh, we end up getting disappointed and just lose all the time. What really matters is that we really connect with other people in our lives. So immediately, any kid in that class would be like, fuck this guy, fuck right. this kid, this right. kid's a piece of shit. So, uh, but everyone's like, but we love Henry. We love him so much. He's so great because he's so smart and he's so awesome. And Jacob Tremblay's his brother. Again, emotional manipulation, that fucking kid. Is he not the cutest kid? Like, honestly, he's super cute. Here's the thing. I love Jacob Tremblay and I would say it, any of that emotional manipulation is not on him being a very good child actor. No, it's him acting his ass off. Right. I mean, he's doing fantastic. Right. It's just, uh, continue though. Continue, continue. This movie takes such a weird... Turn. A weird turn. 
not 50 weird turns. Um, <laughs> but um, the, so Henry basically acts as sort of like a surrogate father because the father's out of the picture, but Naomi Watts is the mother who has no actual gain on responsibility whatsoever. And likes to play video money, games. apparently. Right, all done by Henry playing the stocks. Henry plays the stocks all the time and gets them like 680k in a fucking yeah. bank account that's on In one bank shit. account, not to, not to count her quarter of a million in another account and whatever else in another account. Right, right. He handles sure. all the finances and all the stocks and all this, the financial statements, all this other shit, while she plays fucking, like, God of War or some bullshit on Xbox. Uh, Gears of War. <laughs> right, that's right. I don't know if God of War is only on a PlayStation. Well, that, <laughs> Come that, on, buddy. That's true. I'm sure that he, you know, that Naomi Watts knows all these things, the actual actress. She, sure, she sure. loves video, video games. Absolutely. So Henry is, like, basically carrying this family along. So he spots the next door neighbor, who's played by Hank from Breaking Bad, uh, Dean Norris. Yeah, fat Bruce Willis. You know, I never thought about it, but that's true. Hey, Dean Norris plays the chief of police who um, is taking care of his stepdaughter after his uh, wife passed away, probably got murdered by this fucking asshole inhuman monster who um, Henry sees like, oh my God, he's abusing my crush who is also like his stepdaughter. And you can clearly see it because he does this with open fucking curtains, apparently in his fucking. Yeah. Right. Cause that's how things, yeah, that's how that works. Yeah. Clearly. Yes. But he's got everything covered. It's like, oh no, child services. He's my brother. You can't touch me. whatsoever. <sighs> I'm impenetrable on every well, he's level. He's the chief of police as well. Yeah. Right. And, he, and he's the chief of police. So there's like, Henry's like, God damn it. I got to find some way to like solve this. So you'd figure, oh, that's, going to be the movie is this kid trying to like work around like corrupt awful world that this is living in. and he's so super smart he thinks he can do it turns out that doesn't matter because he gets a brain tumor 45 minutes into the fucking movie this kid gets a goddamn brain tumor and then oh, it's, yeah and then it's about 25 minutes of like oh my god we're so sad <laughs> don't die henry we love you so much henry's dying like oh my god i can't believe it lee paces the doctor who also has the hots for naomi watts just like who's a goddamn up. giant by the well, way. Well, look, that it's Lee Pace. He's a massive man. He's a mountain of a man. Um, he's a beautiful, Lee, he's a beautiful Lee, man. Oh, I'm not dissuading that either. Um, I, you know, Naomi Watts looks into his eyes like, move over, lady. I want <laughs> exactly. some Lee Pace. Hey, whoa, um, whoa. That's Thanadrill. Or whatever the hell his name was. <laughs> With the fucking Hobbit movies, right? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, anyway, um, he's just like, oh man, I, you know, hey buddy, listen, I, I gotta tell you, little Henry, unfortunately, um, there's a big old, like, thing inside your brain that we can't get out. We want to make sure you survive through it. And Henry's like, hey, cut through the bullshit, tell me what's real. And it was like melanoma or whatever the fuck. And he's like, um... Well, well, yeah, you want to see your MRI, and here's a blockage here on this loop and all this bullshit. And mm-hmm. fucking Henry knows all of it because sure. he's such a savant that he knows something that, like, some guy went to fucking medical school for eight years to learn, clearly. Oh, no, he's an ultra genius. I, I, was almost, I was almost worried that they were going, like, the phenomenon route to where because he has this tumor, that's why he's so smart. No, they don't go quite that monstrous route because then. Well, they very well could have, and would have been, it would have fit perfectly with no, this. No, because the movie has to have a third act twist where Henry dies, so tragic, and his mother's just like, uh-huh. "Okay, I can't believe it." And Jacob Trim is like, "Hey, mom, you know my cool little face. Look at this book that Henry wanted you to read. Oh, what's this book say? Oh, it's a step-by-step instruction on how to get away with murder." Yep. Yep. And then Naomi Watts becomes basically a hit woman. Right, but under the guise of, like, Henry is guiding her every step, even in death, where he has these tapes left behind, they anticipate her every move. Like, there's a point where she's just like, he's like, hey, you gotta go to the ATM that's on the left. No, your other left. Like, Mm -hmm. he's fucking dead. 
And he apparently knows exactly oh, what every strange. move to. Move over Benedict Cumberbatch. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Cucumber patch, eggs Benedict. It's time for the Nazi kid from Knives Out to teach you the lesson or two. Like I said, it's an emotional manipulation of a film. Once he gets sick, they want you to cry. That's what they're trying to do. And they try and earn it by like, oh, look how twee and cutesy this is. Like, it's weirdly, it's yeah. all the problems with like any like very twee, over, overly done indie film that's and there. This, oh, goddamn magic trick. Are you fucking kidding me? Right, Jacob Tremblay has a beautiful magic trick. Of like, I'm going to make my brother appear. My brother come back. Cool. Right. And, and, and everyone in the audience is like, oh boy, I wonder how this is going to work. And then he has like soap bubbles pop up. Which like, if you're hey. just some random parent in that audience, just like, I don't, it is you're not going to get like, it. You're like, what the fuck is this? This is a one-time deal that happened in the movie one time. Yep. Where the mom would get it be like, oh, crazy. Oh yeah, I remember when you did this and I got fucking drunk. With my friend for the rest of the time. I let you guys alone again and got drunk. Right, with her friend Sarah Silverman, who is also clearly an alcoholic, in a very disturbing scene where she brings her children along to get Sarah Silverman to wake up like, hey, I covered for your shifts. And then drinks with her. Yeah. Yeah, and then Sarah Silverman gives Henry a fucking full-on mouth kiss. Yep. Because Henry's like, well, I'm attracted to you. That's why I've been so mean to you. It's it's clearly a... And she's like, okay, Hank, and gives him a kiss. I'm like, dude, this is fucking ridiculous. Yep. I Like, honestly, look, this might be one of the worst movies I've watched for this show. Yeah. The whole crux of this movie is they're trying to make you feel something and feel sympathetic and feel bad and be touched and it's so cheaply done. It's a massively cynical movie, despite how much it wants you to say the otherwise. It's one of the most cynically stupid movies I've ever seen. The only reason this even gets any points for me, like out of five, this gets a, this gets a half. That's right. And the only reason it gets a half is because Jacob Tremblay, for one, because I love that kid. I, I fucking love that kid. There, there is a scene where Henry's just like, hey, you know, I need you to like help out with mom because you're, you're going to be the man of the house. And Jacob Tremblay's like, oh. I cried. I'm not even going to lie. I cried. And then I was immediately mad at myself. Because I'm like, this fucking movie got me. The one scene. Because, A, he's just a little sweetums. <laughs> he's, a little, he's a little cherub-faced sweetums. And he's crying. So it instantly gets me. I don't know if it's my dad bone. I don't, I don't know if it's just my human bone. But it hits me somewhere. And I'm like, this fucking kid, because this kid's already put me through the fucking ringer in movies. Like, him and Dr. Sleep was one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen. And you haven't seen even Room yet, right? I have not. Oh, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Back pocket it, but I'm not going to do it out of of will. So this kid, he he just fucking gets me. Uh, So that part, that's the only reason he gets half a star. Because I felt something while watching this movie. No, and it's all because of that kid. And Jacob Trim is immensely talented. And even in something as bad as like a predator, he has at least some like adorable bit that'll make you endear. Oh yeah, that fucking movie. Yeah, mm. Though it, um, though I am very curious. Um, what's his teenagehood going to be like? It's going to be so tragic. <laughs> that poor kid. Well, he's going to grow up so weird looking. He's going to be like Haley Joel Osment. Oh, uh, probably it's a bummer. Grow up with a, He's going to have a neck beard. Like it's going to be really weird. And think Naomi Watts, decent. She's decent in it because she's a, she's a capable actress. 
She's just giving such garbage to, but she's trying her best. I made the unintentional mistake of rewatching Mulholland Drive not too long before this movie. God, she's so much better in that movie. Oh no, f- fucking no! Like she's better in Tank Girl than she is in this fucking movie. Oh, Mulholland Drive is so good. No, it's an amazing movie, and she, but in this in this one, it's such a clear example of like, oh hey, what do we do with this incredibly talented, beautiful actress? Let's make her the worst person possible. Like even if she oh, has yeah. some sort of developmental disorder of some sort, she's still like a monster <laughs> who oh, doesn't give a shit about her children. Really. But everybody in this movie is everybody that that the people you're supposed to care about. They're all fucking monsters, except for. The Doctor and Jacob Tremblay. They're either That's monsters it. or, like, non-entities. Like, the little girl, which is another offensive thing. It's like, oh, the little girl whose next story gets abused? A prop. No kind of character whatsoever. She's just like, oh, hey, I hide my eye behind my hair because I'm so sad, but I'm not going to really have any kind of human emotions about it. Or, like, random cameos like, fucking Bobby Moynihan as the say, diner guy. Bobby Moynihan, hey, your uh, dead son sent me a letter, said he got money, so I'm firing you. It feels like an SNL sketch is going to start anytime he says something. Yeah, you're like, like wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I got a letter for your dead son. It says you got money. You're fired. <laughs> You are a terrible person. I wish he played it more like Drunk Uncle. That would have made oh, it so much be better. That would be the best. <laughs> Immigrants. Colin Trevor is such a weird presence to have come up so well because like he made safe not guaranteed and from what i heard the reason he got jurassic world was because steven spielberg saw that movie and was like i love this ending i think this guy says does a great job like blending genre and emotion we're gonna give him jurassic world right out the gate it's a thing we've talked about many times of like Mm. oh a director who made an indie movie ends up like getting a massive budget blockbuster and in this case like it hit the right time for jurassic park nostalgia and made billions of dollars and they're like oh hey you need to like be the top tier person whatsoever you should make anything you you can make anything you want this is a blank check movie of just like oh hey we can do whatever you want well i read the script that was originally like a dark comedy yeah it's been around for 20 years but it was a dark comedy but i don't want the dark i don't want the comedy aspect no i want the comedy but needs to be whimsical and cute that's what i want i don't want the darkness Uh, really but only for the first 45 minutes yeah, whenever the darkness actually pops up, it's like a melodrama. That's the thing. It's th- it's three different weird-ass movies where it's like precocious indie movie followed by mm-hmm. Oscar drama bait about like a kid dying of a brain tumor. I'd like a bridge of Terabithia feel, but also throw in Leon the Professional. Right, right. And, then, and then it becomes <laughs> Leon the Professional in the third <laughs> act. This doesn't work. But right down to, like, the, I think the moment that really crystallizes how bad this movie is for me is the climax where it cuts between Naomi Watts about to shoot Dean Norris, but oh being realizing, oh no, but, like, here's a picture of my kid. How cheap. How cheap. How cheap. Also intercut between that and the little girl dancing, which I found out the little girl is the little girl from the Sia Chandelier music video. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I knew that. Yeah, she's doing an interpretive dance to show that her stepfather's beating or abusing her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the principal gets it. Right. Yeah. Who, keep in mind, earlier, there's a scene where fucking Henry is, like, the top cop popping into the principal's office, like, God sure. damn it, I'm telling you, the whole system's corrupt, you're gonna, this is fucking obvious, why can't you just say anything? Look, you don't have any evidence, you don't have anything to incriminate him, I'm getting you off the force, Henry. Like, that's, it's a scene like that, that fucking happens no, with this. No, a thousand percent, he walks in and calls her by her name. Yep. By her first name, like, God damn it, Jean, or whatever the fuck her name is. He's like, God damn it, Noreen. She's like, that's <laughs> Principal Davis. He's like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> I want your badge and your gun. You're off the force, Henry. 
You're you're a hothead. And now she's all of a sudden like, oh, she cried. That's evidence enough for me. This dance, this dance proved it. Yep. What the fuck? (laughs) And the police get called on Dean Norris and he's like, okay, looks like uh, I can't get my brother to back me out of this. Hey, for a second, I might not kill myself. I'm going to stand up and then you're going to see a flash. That's how it's going to go. Yeah, that's the thing. It's a movie where it goes in all these dark territories, but it doesn't have the conviction to, like, give you because any of it either. if they wanted to do anything, he would have shot Naomi Watts dead in the forest. Yeah, because, like, and plus it's such a terrible plan, too, of, like, oh, hey, you need to get this assault rifle from this gun shop that's shoot incredibly him. illegal. And shoot and him. throw him over a bridge along with the rifle? Right, which any, like, cop worth their salt would be like, hmm, they shot him here. And it looks like that would come directly from the treehouse over there, the whimsical, cute treehouse with the Rube Goldberg machines. Okay, so this this woman's sons built this. Wait, she withdrew two grand in one day from ATMs. Maybe to buy a black market rifle. Maybe we should look into this. No, no, because Henry's a genius. <sighs> this, this is so great, dumb. <laughs> dude. I mean, it's dumb. Like I said. I hate it. I hate it even more. Like, I really fucking hate this movie. But I hate it so more that it got me, like, upset because a little cherub face crying. Because that goddamn kid. But other than that, I mean, this is just a wash of a fucking movie. And then, like, the forcefully pace, like, oh, I really like you. Are we going to date? And you're like, this, there's no build up to this. He just shows up at random times. Right, he says at one point, like, oh, hey, we agreed on 4.30, but I decided to come a bit earlier. Right, and she's like, oh, I forgot. And then, and he goes to the talent show, he's like, I thought you knew. And she's like, oh, yeah, whatever, I got parents stuff to He's like, okay. So like, okay, he's like, fuck her. But then at the end, he's like, so are we going to do this again? Like, why do I don't care about this? And it's a phenomenal waste of Lee Pace, his beautiful, gorgeous eyes, Lee Pace. Oh, so, and, and his fucking eyebrows are on fleek. Fleek, is that a word? That's a word the kids say, right? They're on they, fleek. They, they, they said that about 18 months ago, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make my ass ass cheeks clap? Is that a thing? But, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you don't care. You don't care. You don't care about any of it. This thing, and the thing is, it's it's in a hundred minutes, so it's like an hour and forty minutes, hour and forty five, around there. Uh, it feels like it's three hours, easy. It feels like the worst massive epic you possibly could. I fucking used any excuse in the book to pause this. My wife's playing a, a video game that I was playing yesterday. She's playing now. She's like, oh, I don't. How, how do you do this part? Pause. Oh, this is how you do it. And I'd sit there and play it with her for 20 minutes. Like, just any excuse it's I like, could don't, use. Don't you have to go back to the movie, honey? Nope. No, not right now. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> it's just, it's it's shit. And the thing is, with, with that, I, I want to say, so this was on my worst of the decade list, uh, deservedly. But at the same time, um, when I did that list, I mounted The Mummy, the 20... 20- uh, 17 Mummy as the worst movie of the decade. Um, and oh, I even no, said this... this beats it. No, this beats it. No, that's, that, that's what I'm about to say, is that um, we, we covered that movie, at least, well, I did, along with our guest Ryan Quarterman on the Universal Monsters episode. <laughs> we, we, we covered that. No, I don't matter. No, I don't matter. No, well, we, we, we covered that movie, and I said even at the time, like, yeah, this wouldn't be worse of the decade anymore. I still really hate it, but it's not, like, worse of the decade. This should have been the top one for me. Oh, it's so bad. It's easily one of the worst we've done for the show. 
And it, it, the biggest insult also is that it had such studio backing behind it because of who fucking Colin Trevorrow is. Yeah, that's what makes it so bad. It makes that because of the production value, because of the uh, budget, because of the cast, because of the direction and everything, and the care put into it. And it's still you get this polished fucking turd of a movie. That's what makes it the worst. It's a like, it's a movie that know, could only come from the privileged position of being someone who made a billion dollar movie. Like, it, it, well, it comes it comes from people who are just fucking out of touch. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like Wired is still one of the worst ones, but Wired was also very low budget. Wired was also a you know a cash grab on a celebrity death sort of movie. You know things like you know we've covered a lot of bad ones. Dracula 3D, uh, it's just an old-timey director slipping. But this, everything was going for it. And it's just one of the worst, like I said, in in my opinion, one of the worst uh, emotionally manipulative movies I've seen in a long time. And to me, that is the cheapest tactic you can take in a film. Right, and that's even saying something when, like, film by its very nature is technically emotionally manipulative in terms of you're taking something that does not exist whatsoever in fictional film and you're making someone react emotionally to it. But the whole thing is, oh, yeah, you earn that with, like, good characters or Mm -hmm. involving story or really beautiful direction, any of these things. Hey, this kid has cancer and his cute little brother is sad, so you're going to cry. That's the thing is when we talk about like, oh, a movie earns something, it's because they put like the time and effort into it. This movie takes every single shortcut possible on the path, but ends up having the longest route possible to get to its point. That's the kind of problem I have with it. It's they just that might as has... well kill the dog every five minutes. That that would be the only other way they could do it. <laughs> it's just garbage. Just replay the fucking scene from Marley and me every five minutes. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just garbage. On every level, it's it's a subpar script manipulated by a sort of a novice director at the time. It's just it's not good. Colin Trevorrow to me is going to go down with like uh, you know some of those that there's like a Tony Scott or you know how fucking dare you? Hold on, no, no, no. no. Let me let me finish what I'm trying to say. Tony Scott might have been the one I jumped to. I'm what I was trying to think of. Uh, what's his name? Who did uh, Q the Wing Serpent? Larry Cohen? Yeah, it's just serviceable directors. Like, they could show up, they can do it. I think Colin Trevorrow has the talent. He's got, he can make a decent-looking movie. He can do it, but he can't fucking be involved in production and writing. He can't do it. But he knows how to point a camera. He can make a decent-looking movie. The thing about this movie, it it's well shot. It's just a terrible film. I, I just can't believe you would compare him to either of those directors. I know. So I'm really upset. How I'm fucking really upset. dare you? I'm really mad at myself. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, to, yeah, fuck me. You, you I don't really know take what? that back. I'll compare him to the guy who stepped in on fucking uh, Island of Dr. Moreau. John Frankenheimer is a better example. Yeah, he's a, Trevor's a journeyman director, in my opinion. Right. Much like a John Frankenheimer, who was like a guy who made some great movies, but not really by like his own di- distinctive stamp whatsoever. Yeah, Trevor was a dirty bad director. He's he's very competent. He's very capable. Uh, does he have his own voice? No, no. and I don't think he ever will. 
the big sort of hullabaloo about this movie at the time, and we'll get into just like ending this, um, yeah. is eventually, um, is that uh, he was going to do Rise of Skywalker. He was announced as it, and he like yeah. much much like Lord and Miller on Solo, he was taken off this particular project, and we got J.J. Abrams. We've talked about hinting in that uh, in the past. We don't like that movie very much, and some stuff has come out about Trevor's original ideas, which was so it. much better. Which is saying something because so also better. it sounded like a mediocre Star Wars movie, but that would have been so much better. <laughs> Exactly, because Lisa was trying something. Mm-hmm. You know, he was going to go in weird directions with it, with the, basically a fucking Cthulhu Sith god right. and shit like that. I'm totally down. Uh, what we got was just fan service to clean up uh, the second one. I mean, you know, you know but immediately makes it better than, like, a fucking Rise of Skywalker. He Which is gave, garbage. Right, he gave Rose Tico something to do. Right. Right, yeah. he actually involved her as, like, a fucking character. And he was also like, yeah, no, Ray's parents were shit. Who cares? Yeah. She's got the Force. She's going to be a new Jedi. Sweet. That's all you need. Oh, no, she's the granddaughter of the Emperor. Why? Why? Who gives a fuck? Oh, dude. I Oh, man. I'm putting that in my backpack because I do want to talk about that. Oh, no. I, I will talk about that for, like, a whole episode length about so, how terrible that movie well, is. Well, then we should just do that. Why, why, why don't we go into your final thoughts on Book of Henry? Okay, uh, this is garbage. This is, like I said, it's emotional manipulation on the grainest scale. You you have a kid who's so smart and his mom is, you know, attractive, there, but he's got cancer and he dies. So you're supposed to feel sad. He's got a cute little brother. The next door neighbor's being abused. And, oh, God, what are we going to do? I get it. Like, they're, they're hitting all the buttons to where a normal person would be like, oh, my God, this is so sad. But it feels so phony and forced and fake. And then they add, like, Henry's basically a fucking poltergeist talking to her from the grave, adding all this fucking narration, which is completely unnecessary and completely unneeded. Actually, uh, past the four to five minute mark, this movie should have ended. Henry's a piece of shit character you can't get behind. He's a fucking elitist. And I don't care about anything in this film, I think it's garbage. I think the characters who are redeemable, they give them nothing to do, and then they turn them to the dark side. It, it's just, it's terrible. This is a terrible, terrible fucking film. And the fact that this had a budget and a wide release really bums me out, because there are movies that I've seen since the quarantine has happened that did not have wide releases that are infinitely better. Like, I, I dude, even though it doesn't compare... But a movie like Uncut Gems. Fuck yeah, Uncut Gems. Which is such a fucking mind-blowing movie. Uh, it, again, simple concept, simple everything. But it's so dirty and dark and tour de force performance. And yet, that gets a limited release, barely seen by anybody. But Book of Henry gets a wide release because it's fucking playing on your emotions. And to me, I, I have no respect for that sort of art. To me, fuck you. Fuck well, you. And especially like somebody like the Safdie brothers who have been working like tooth and nail to get their movies right. out there and have done like such incredible jobs and get like, you know, an uncut gems, you know, out there. But then you have like Colin Trevor who's just like, yeah, I'm going to put my hand in my pants and I'm going to make Jurassic World 
And then, oh, look, we're making Book of Henry, but this is the movie I really care about. I recommend, watch any interview that he fucking did for Book of Henry, and you can tell how, as you mentioned, out of touch and up his own butt that dude is, Mm -hmm. about just like, oh, no, I was making a beautiful, sincere movie about childhood and how it can get manipulated horribly by the whole fucking world. fucking were you, what were your experiences that you fucking adapted into this? Well, I was a super smart kid that everybody liked. And super smart. <laughs> My mom became an assassin, obviously. <laughs> and the girl next door really wanted to have sex with me, but I died of a brain tumor. And now I'm here. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's everything that and I had said. And Dean Norris was my neighbor. And Dean Norris was my neighbor. And he showed me all his minerals. <laughs> um, but... But yeah, any, everything Adam said is so true, and it's like I said, apologies to Alex Kurtzman's The Mummy. You're still terrible, and you still earned a place on that worst of the decade list oh, for yeah, me. Yeah, but this is numero uno. Tomorrow. This would be my number one, dude. If I had to rank them again, this would have been my number one. No, easily. It now would have been because I think I also like I hadn't seen it in a bit, and I had more of at least an oh, interest yeah. of like at the time when I saw it. I actually saw it in a theater. I'm one of the few. Oh, that saw you. It. Bastard. Well, I didn't pay for it because I was working. Well, that's good. Because you're um, a rebel. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm a rebel who worked for the company at the time, back when I'm theaters existed. To, I'm gonna sneak in to see Book of Henry. <laughs> Not even an R-rated movie. It's aggressively PG-13. Um, aggressively. You know, hold on, hold on, real quick. That's the one thing I'll give this movie. They did not show the abuse. I think if they showed the abuse. Uh, it would have been even more emotionally manipulative. I honestly do. So I give them the fact that they don't actually show it. Right. Because either way, it would have made the movie that much worse. The type of abuse. So you get the idea. I'm glad they didn't show it. I got to be honest. No, 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 I, I get that. Um, but it, it does also show that the movie is weirdly more insidious. It feels like it's not like being tasteful when it's doing that. It's more just like, oh, we need to get like this to be a family film, so we won't show it. That's the monstrous yeah. thing about it. That's what. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think really is sort of like insidious about this movie. It, that's the thing is I don't sort of usually like to think like a director has such terrible intentions, but this movie feels insidious in terms of its motives. The moment you see it, you're just like, I don't trust you ever made this. This this guy. No, I agree. Yeah, this I guy agree. has like some weird, sick idea of like what this is supposed to fucking be, um, and it's it's a, it's a demonstrable movie. It's a terrible, awful piece of shit thing. Mm-hmm. That as much as I have any issues with Jurassic World, um, it's at least like a, a movie that I could see people liking to some degree. Hey man, I, dinosaurs fight. Dinosaurs That's fight. Awesome. Yeah, Chris Pratt is there. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard is in heels. Like, I can see somebody maybe kind of liking that, as opposed to this is a movie for nobody, except one person. Who? Colin Trevorrow is the one person this is for. You know, I've actually read a couple reviews, though, where they're like, you know, I watched this not knowing anything about it, and I was pleasantly surprised, because I didn't know where this movie was going to take me, and it was a ride. Well, motherfucker, watch more movies. (laughs) I mean, it's a ride, but it's like if the ride was segmented from like three different rides, it's like, oh, hey, here's a dark ride for the first third of it. Here's a massive, horrible roller coaster. And then here's like a kiddie spin like fucking teacup ride at the end. It's that, it's that fucking SNL skit where the ride breaks down and you got the automatons who are trying to kill you. Right. Like, it's <laughs> not fun. No, it's this... not fun at all. We're, the, the point we were trying to make, this is a movie's terrible, it's garbage. That's the end of our 
two movies we talked about. Um, probably one of the better examples of like despairing between good and bad movie in quality. Another yeah, one of those. Yo, yeah, without question. Whatever. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and we uh, thank you all for listening to this along with all of the previous 99 episodes, if you have. Um, and uh, we want to go ahead and uh, do picking for next time because we're going to keep this trainer rolling as long as we possibly can and do our picking for next week. But first, uh, we have some feedback to read because every Monday at DEDB Pod, we ask all of you, like, hey, what are your favorite, least favorite things related to whatever topic we're doing? And we ask you with all the list of both of our, like, list of different movies that we haven't picked yet, hey, what would you want to hear us talk about at some point? And so we have a few people, including... James Rodriguez, who says, Happy 100th episode! Assault and Precinct 13, Underage Carpenter Flick, Your Name, Amazing, Bound, Brilliant Early Effort from the Wachowskis, Dread and Creed, This is How You Revitalize a Dead Franchise, uh, Night Professor 2, I Want to Hear Your Disgusted Reactions to This One, uh, Jonathan Happen McHale says, From Adam's Choices, Paranorman, Godzilla vs. Biolanti, Source Code, It Comes at Night, From Thomas, Inside Man, The Witches, Mimic, Carol, um, Eric Avon said, I'd love to hear a remake-themed episode featuring the Friday the 13th Ooh. and or Maniac and Suspiria uh, remakes. Um, and uh, Joseph Stephen Heath says, Tank Girl, it's one of my favorite movies. And Bobby Nash says, Troll 2, of course, I kid, I kid. Though you can't go wrong within the line of fire and Tremors. And uh, of course, if you do do Dumb and Dumber 2, you can talk about my cameo appearance. Apparently Bobby's in it. Oh, well, good for him. Nobody saw it. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> you know, we already did the remake episode once. Right. But that's not something I'm adverse to doing again because it doesn't only have to apply to horror. I mean, there's hundreds of remakes out there. One that is close to my heart that I, I do want to talk about at some point is Paranorman. Um, I absolutely love that movie. Yep. I, I actually get very verklempt at that movie quite frequently. I, I And it's been my sort of branch uh with my kid into the genre have you shown them that yet oh yeah oh yeah she and she fucking was transfixed it's a beautiful movie and beautiful for for many reasons i mean the animation the the voice acting and just some of the subject matter and the points they decide to make it's a fantastic movie so i definitely do want to broach that one at some point no, yeah, I love that movie too. Yeah, I totally agree that it's it's a great little movie. Um, I mean, uh, of the ones that were definitely um, mentioned here by other people, I would have loved to have talked about Carol. That was my alternate pick for the Kate Blanchett episode. I think that's a mm-hmm. great movie that I think disappeared after the Oscar season when it came out, which is a bummer because I think it's a phenomenal little movie. Um, even something as you know, uh, James mentioned Bound, which I know was a bad choice for you very early on. But yeah. I've, I've rewatched it since, and I think that movie's incredible. I think that's one of the Wachowski's best, for sure. I haven't seen it since it came out, dude. Like, it's been a long time. And I remember my reasons for watching it back in the day, and it would not be my reasons watching it now. I mean, from what I can gleam off that, I can say this. Those reasons from then do still linger. But, uh, oh, and those boy. reasons being Joey Pants, clearly. Joey Pants. Yeah, so no, yeah, jo- yeah, Joey so Pants. Uh, yeah, that was it. You want some nice Italian pants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, that movie's incredible. I would also just love, in general, with that being mentioned, to do a Wachowski's episode. I think they're incredibly fascinating filmmakers that I would love to devote an episode to. Uh, I mean, I'm down, but I got, like, one movie I would pick. For for good? Yeah. See, and I have about seven I would pick for bad. 
I would say it's more of a, like, uh, they've made about eight movies. I would say at least five of them I would pick as good choices. Oh, uh, you're out of your mind. I fucking love Speed Racer. I didn't at the time, and I think now it's a, it's pretty dope. Yeah, I Hundred might be the last one. <laughs> uh, well, uh, we don't even have any time to discuss for this feedback. Let's say it, everybody. It's over. Yeah, good night. At least we don't have to fuck it even. <laughs> um, but, you know, It Comes at Night was mentioned. That's one I almost wish we did do for the A24 episode. because that Yeah, one, I'd like to throw that one back in there, too. That I mean, one, I really it's such a divisive movie. Like, I, I said at the time of the A24 episode, but that was a movie where I was watched it with a couple friends. And, like, one person was like, I really love that movie. And the other one was like, you're fucking stupid. That's a I terrible fucking movie. I know. And I'm very split down the middle on it as well. So I own it. I haven't seen it, so I mean, I'm definitely want to watch it. I'm a I'm a very big A24 fan, but that's one of the ones I haven't seen. Like, and I another one I just I picked up uh, today, which is very divisive, is the Under the Silver Lake. Yep, I get why that's so divisive. I really dig that one. I my wife is dying to see it, and so I'm gonna watch that here because I uh, have nothing to do. <laughs> so. Uh- I'm very curious. Well, speaking of that, you know, someone mentioned here Tremors, and I will say I revisited that fairly recently for the first time in ages. So good. That movie's still fucking great. Yeah, and I'd say the chemistry between uh, Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward is never duplicated, and they try several times. Looking back at, like, both of our lists, just some other ones I would really like to cover, not huge comment, just, like, would like to, like, really dig into. Um, Cabin Boy. I think it's such a weird, tremendous movie I would love to dig into. Um, High Life. Um, even as much as like it was my alternative choice for this, but I think it's also a fascinating, terrible movie. Bicentennial Man. Um, oh just like God. one of the weirdest sh- things that could have possibly fucking happened. A shit uh, show. Such a shit show. Um, and uh, you know what? Also, uh, The Long Goodbye, which I think is like... A, a, I'm not a huge Altman fan, but that's one of, uh, I think, the underrated examples like the detective genre. Sure, I like that. I like that everything you brought up were your picks. Shows no ego, which I like. It doesn't show any prefer- preferential stream because I'm looking at that list right now. Not at all. <laughs> Not whatsoever. Um, though, you know, even from like this other list that I'm just randomly looking at here. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah sure. The, the, that's over on this side. Uh, Three Kings is one that you had, Adam, that I thought was that's pretty That's a great great. movie. Yeah, that yeah, wouldn't. That, yeah. I think kind of got lost in the shuffle. Uh, you know what? Ace Ventura would be curious to me just because I know we have a bit more of a difference on that because I think you're more nostalgically tied to that. Than yeah, I no, no, there's no question. No, there's no question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I think that's something uh, between you and I. Uh, period. As far as you know, we're on a hundred episodes. I think it's something that pops up a lot. Where I'm, I'm willing to let maybe things go a little bit more because of the time they were made. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? And you'll look at things and be like, well, that's problematic now. And I'm like, well, it might be now, and I, I don't disagree with you, but at the time it was made, it wasn't as prevalent. It's it's more when it's like recent movies that maybe take place at a different time that you're more willing to forgive them. Like, say, a Bone Tomahawk we had a couple episodes ago. Let's take an example of that word. Like, oh, for the time, 2015, when this movie came out. <laughs> yeah, but the time the movie takes place. Right, that's, the, that's the thing. Back, right? <laughs> Right, this accurate movie with, like, fucking troglodyte monsters. You know, the thing is... <laughs> no, you know, the thing is... You just think you're so fucking rad. You're the you're the pinball wizard. That's what everybody says about you. And, uh... You know... I can't disagree. 
I mean, they gave me that pinball crown. I got yeah, a lot on top of my head. I, mean, I think I'm in love with you. Oh, well, finally. Like, it took you 100 episodes? Jesus. Yeah, but my thing about when I'm in love with someone, I murder them. <gasps> oh, man. Can't wait for next episode, uh, which I'm sure you all can't wait for either. Uh, thank you all for that feedback. I just want to thank uh, Chris Oliver for the intro and outro music used in our show. Listen to more of his music at chrisoliver.bandcamp.com. Thanks to Alice Carter for the art for our show. And uh, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at DEDBpod, or you can email us, bill at gmail, all spelled out. And by the way, we still do have requests out there for, like, give us some topics. Our list is, uh, you know, our schedule's drying up a bit because a certain release is not coming out there to the public. And uh, we wanted to definitely uh, fill it up with some choices that you out there would recommend um be, there's a post on like our facebook page or our twitter page i'll probably repost out asking for that this week um but you know you can find us there or you can find me at not the who's tommy as per usual with all my, my musing see i'm not the pinball wizard because i'm not the who's tommy oh i see what you did there yeah that's really smart that's a good ugh. so you're like in the witness witness protection program man <laughs> i mean I clearly oh, really sloppy work well, that's true. It's just um, like, oh, I, I'm not Jeffrey Dahmer. Success. Anyway, yeah. um, you can also uh, find me doing some writing at marianithomas.wordpress.com or for written reviews and such, or truesuperherofans.com for satirical superhero news. And uh, you can find Adam apparently loving the fact that he can make all these pinball wizard jokes. Yeah, I ain't doing shit, man. I'm off social media right now. I, just, I can't do it. I'm not trying to get political, but the fucking toxicity right now in social media, I, I just can't take it. I can't take it. I can't take it. I suffer from depression. I don't need that shit, too. Christ. Well, if you want to hear us suffer from depression for another 100 episodes, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, and other platforms you can find podcasts. And if you're listening on the ESO network, why not dig into our archives from before we were even on the ESO network to listen to all the 67 of those 100 episodes that we didn't post there before, or even stick around ESO for all the other great shows. And uh, you can uh, rate, review, or even share us around and give us more visibility. It would really help, and we really appreciate it every time you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't see any numbers. <laughs> you don't. I do. You yeah, don't see I don't. shit. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Um, so unless I share a graph with you, and you're just like, yeah, hey. no, it all means dick to me. What are these numbers here? I can't. I can't track this. I, I, I'm more. I'm more prone to looking at pie graphs just because pie. That's true. Not the number, the food, <laughs> no, or the not, number. You don't know. I might be Russell Crowe in fucking Beautiful Mind. Fuck you for judging me. Just because I'm fat, I can't be a mathematician. No, it's because I'm fat. I think a pie. Look, 3.14 slices need to get on my plate. Is it rhubarb? <laughs> I don't really like it, but I'll eat it. <laughs> well, um, you know, it's time to get to our pick-in for episode 101, Adam. We're keeping the train rolling as much as we can. And uh, our next topic, in honor of a certain director's birthday, is coming up. We are going mm -hmm. to be doing an episode on the films of Francis Ford Coppola. Which should be very interesting because you want to talk about like directorial career paths. That's a roller coaster ride, <laughs> right? And correct me if I'm wrong. This is one we've discussed uh, doing several times, uh, but because of what's going on, uh, we had to postpone a couple uh, topics so this sort of fit in. Right, because we were always like, oh, maybe when he'll do another movie in like two decades or whatever, because he takes right. such huge breaks now. Uh, but now's not a bad time, uh, as you mentioned. 
Let's, yeah, let's, let's go for yes. it. Yes, and so you have the two bad movies for this topic. I have the two good movies. You've assigned a number between 1 and 10 for both of those, and I've done the same for mine. But each of us will pick a number between 1 and 10, and that will get us uh, whichever was closest to our good and our bad feature. So uh, for my two good choices, Adam, a number between 1 and 10. <sighs> Three. All right. I, we're talking about one uh, that came out in between the two Godfather movies. Francis Ford Coppola made a little movie I've talked about here before. is very underrated, very underseen, and I'm very curious to discuss it. It's 1974's The Conversation, starring Gene Hackman. I've never seen that movie. Oh, it's so good. I'm really excited. <laughs> oh, That's awesome. Uh, and then at number nine, I had 1983's The Outsiders. Great movie. Wow. My, look at you not choosing the obvious. Oh, Hems is all groused up. Oh, shucks. 100 episodes. That's all it took. But now, <laughs> your two bad picks, which I'm very curious about. Oh, fuck. All I'm right. Gonna, I'm going to go with number five, right down the middle. At number four, I have, talk about emotionally manipulative, I have a Jack. Oh, boy. This is the one I thought we were going to do. Okay. Yeah. Fuck. I hate Jack so much. I do too. It's a terrible fucking movie. I it's a wait. terrible fucking movie. Number ten, I have Twixt. Oh, okay. That's the genre into one. the horror. Yeah, it's genre into the sort of horror thriller sort of thing, starring way past his prime, Val Kilmer. Yes, and uh, L. Fanning, and mm-hmm. th- there's a weird history behind that one too. We might talk about next week, but um, that is the end of uh, this hundredth episode, Adam. How's about another hundred? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to live that long. But if, we, if but if I do, I'll be at like, what am we talking about? Like 196 <laughs> at that point. <laughs> That's true. You'll, you'll be in at least another 98 episodes. You're still, you're still another hundred for you. Another yes. 98 for me. Yes. Cheers. And good night, everybody. Good night, guys. been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Public store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.